Hello, and welcome to Cooking Up a Queen, a beginner's guide to the flagrant and fanciful world of queer nightlife. Hosted by finalist of Camp One Kiki Season 2, Coco Dream Holiday, and the Madonna of your masturbatory fantasies, Touche Douche. Now without further ado, here are your hosts. Enjoy the show. Once again, everybody, this is Coco Gem Holiday. And this is legendary singer-songwriter Cheryl Crow. It, it's not, though, <laughs> listeners, it's, it's, it's not that thing that was just said. <laughs> what? I'm an artsy faggot. <laughs> no, it's Touche Touche. Or Touche Lakshmiff. Touche Lakshmiff. By the way, for, so ever since we started this on the podcast, like, the last several episodes, <laughs> like... Like in in our real life, like I just go to Touche, it'll be in the middle of a serious conversation and be like, Touche likes beef. And like everybody'll just stare at me because they're like, How is that even relevant to what's happening? Yeah, it's just it's, it's really fun. It's just because I just really appreciate it. And like, because I now say Touche likes beef, I just talk with a little bit of a wishly mouth mouth now. A wishly mouth? A wishly mouth. Okay, now. cool. Mm. So today's episode, we're talking about drag families. I think it had a fun, cute title, but I can't remember what it is right now. Uh, actually, this is the one that's a really dumb title. What is it again? It's just drag families, comma, do you need one, question mark, end. Yeah, so, because we know that a lot of our listeners are, you know, new entertainers who are trying to look to get a leg up on the competition. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you right now, um, drag families can be good and they can be bad. And we actually decided that we're going to have two guests this episode that we're going to bring on a little later. Yes. Um, but yeah, so Touche is actually my drag baby. Um, I don't want you to keep telling people that. I've talked about, <laughs> 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 talked about this. <laughs> yeah. No, this is going to keep happening. Good Lord, we heard each other's names. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we both got so much controversy consistently. Yeah. Oh, it's Some so amazing good. people still talk to us. Yeah, and then my other drag uh, daughter, who's still currently performing, is Brittany on. Oh, she should die. <laughs> Sibling rivalry, everybody. Not that podcast. Kill it. That's a good podcast. Um, you know, Brittany on also like, has her fair share of, you know, uh, Portland drag drama. But she's actually really cool, and I really appreciate hanging out with both of them. Um, so anyway, do you, do you need a drag family? Hmm. No. Take it from me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am what's called an orphan Annie. I never had a drag family. Uh, I was never adopted. Somebody tried once to adopt me, um, but. But then I I saw you. I said no. Actually, I tried to get adopted twice and I said no. Because there's just certain points in your career to where, like, you can see the aesthetic of, like, the entertainer who's trying to adopt you, and then you can choose yes or no about whether or not you want to, you know, be in their family. Yeah. Well, because the reality of a drag family is it's someone you literally use to your advantage, and you take everything that they own and everybody that they know, and you use it to do your own networks, and then abandon them in about two to three years. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That's what drag family is, really. It's just you are a little parasite sucking off of someone else's successes. I don't like to be abandoned. Yes. Why, why are you grinder on right now? Oh my god. Aren't you married? <laughs> what the fuck? I love grinder noises. Um, 
<laughs> We're gonna keep all of those in because mm-hmm. I just think it's fun. Yes. Um. So one of the other things too is that drag families can help you get bookings. Mm-hmm. Um. For those of you new listeners out there, about why you're you're like, no, I'm great, I'm perfect, I don't need anybody help. Um. But they can. They can help you get bookings, and they can help you put you in different shows. And they, if they are a show producer, mm-hmm. you know, you'll probably always have like a permanent or semi regular spot in their gigs. Like um, me and Touche and. Donatella My Secrets and Donatella Nobody performed pretty regularly at the show that we had Starless and Harlots until Lad Tap House closed down. R.I.P. Um, R.I.P. Um, you know, right up the street from Lad's Tap House is this really fun overlook where I can, like, see the bridges and everything for lunches. That's really nice. Oh. Yeah. I've learned more about your day life. I think that venue would be fun to, like, get into and do things with. But that's not what we're talking about today. Draft <laughs> <laughs> families. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but take it from me, um, who is, I'm an anomaly because, like, I have never needed my friends for my own successes. I have <laughs> found them on my own. Um, you probably aren't as good as me at things, so I would really suggest digging in with a group of people and just latching on to them and, like, really follow them around like a puppy, be a drag bitch, be a cigarette bitch, do what they tell you to do, and maybe they'll give you something in the long run. Yeah, like a booking at Drunk Herstory. So anyway, um... <laughs> um, I am the door person at Drunk Cursory, I don't need a booking. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, kind of what Touche is getting at is actually, even though we're joking, it's kind of true. If you want to show a person that you would want, you know, to adopt you, that you're really interested, go to their shows, go to their bookings, like support them, tip them often, like show them that you're trying to get into it. But I will say this to all of the new drag babies out there, as somebody who's been doing drag as long as I have. How long is that, Coco? Are we on decade two or three? It's like eight or nine years, something like that. Um, When I get a message from a drag, somebody new to drag or somebody who's really trying, they're like, just like, how do I look? Would you be interested in being my drag mother? Um, I oftentimes will say no. Like, I have to see that spark, and I can't see that spark in a Facebook message because it's always in a performance. Like, you're watching a performance of somebody, and you're just like, oh, wow. Like, and then... That's usually how it happens. Also, drag families are built usually when you paint somebody. Then you just kind of become their de facto drag mother for a while um, until they have another one. So wait, why did you adopt me then? Because you saw my performances. They were garbage. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, no, the reason the reason that I adopted you is I saw something, something in you reminded me of me. Like, you had this openness about you. You had this wanting to learn about you. You had this, like structure about you oh, and even though i've gotten to know you and none of that stuff is true anymore <laughs> and i hate you i figured <laughs> i figured Aww. i was like let's just keep pushing forward but actually it's funny me and touche when it comes like to the bare bones of certain subjects and conversations like we always just agree and like we're both like alcoholics in our own right mm-hmm. we like to have fun in our own right mm-hmm. we we know how to play the game well in our own right. Yeah. Um, she's getting better at it. I'm real good at I'm it. I'm about to make some bitches cry in the next few weeks. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> but no, drag families can like, and also, because you also have to remember, a drag family is usually friendships too. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some people who will be your drag mom or drag father or whatever, and you're not really friends. But those relationships are awkward because like you ask for them for assistance and they treat you like you're not an adult. Mm-hmm. And the fact is like I treat my jag children like they're children but at the same time I also know that they're like grown adults who have their own houses and lives and uh, partners. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you, something we'll get into because we, like I said, we have guests and they both have very different experiences with drag families. As we'll talk about the difference between a healthy drag family, which is a really weird thing to say, but it, there are them and the drag yeah. families who are um, maybe manipulating or using you. So the things to look out for and tea. potentially finding a drag mother as tea. well. Tea, mm-hmm. actually, that's a lot of tea. Yeah. So we're gonna go ahead and like take our first. What, Tisha? Buddy! <laughs> yes, mama. By the way, I now love that, listeners. I don't know why. I hated it when it first happened because I had to edit it down because it was just too long, but now I love it. <laughs> I'm keeping all of that in there. Yeah, so we're going to take our first break, everybody. It's my only talent. <laughs> Get ready for the digital drag experience you've been waiting for. Introvert an online interactive drag experience. The show is Saturday, August 1st at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with queens from franchise like Camp Wanakiki, RuPaul's Drag Race, and the Boulay Brothers' Dragula. The show's hosted by Autumn Rain's Heart and Camp Wanakiki Season 2 star Coco Gem Holiday. Tickets are available for $5 at thecdsdrag.com slash introvert. Buy them now. Oh. And we're back, everybody. Actually, the break just happened. I don't know why she's... Whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, um, our first guest um, that we're bringing on for this topic about drag families is one of my closest, dearest friends, one of my drag sisters, is Donatella My Secrets. Hi, I'm Donatella. I live here. <laughs> just rubbing in. Actually, she flew here for this interview. We're just getting a lot of notoriety. I interviews. did. My arms are so tired. <laughs> There's a reason people are better at drag than me, and that's why. Because <laughs> so you know what's funny thing about that? Just as a side note, is like when I paint, like some people who do drag are really great artists. I still can't draw for shit. Like <laughs> I, I can't. Like I can't like do any of that. Even if I use my paintbrushes, because mm-hmm. some drag queens will actually use their paintbrushes for their face on paper and I, it still looks terrible. I do. I love using paintbrushes on my face. That's like, I because I feel like I get more angle with some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like finer like tips. Oh, I love a fine tip. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could transition my Apple Pencil to my face because I have a lot of fun doing it on my iPad making people pretty. That's a good point. Yeah. By the way, Touche is the one who does our intro music for um, Cooking Up a Queen. Yeah, yes. I do that. Uh, I also did intro music for your guys' podcast. For a Gem of a Secret yeah. podcast. Yeah, Gem of a Secret podcast. I have other talents. Also found on <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Rate us five stars, please, and thank you. Yes. So, Donna, we have a couple of questions for you. Yeah. Um, that we didn't write down, so it's going to be spitballing. I'm sorry, listeners. That's okay. Um, um, first question, why? <laughs> just why in general? <laughs> My answer, essentially, is no. <laughs> But when? <laughs> but when? Um, so our first question, our first real question is the, so you've been involved with two uh, two different drag families. Give us like kind of like a summary overview yeah. of your experience with drag families um, with your first one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I started drag back in 2013, 2012, 2013? Wow, you are 2012, old. 2012, mm-hmm. 2012, probably. Um, so yeah, it's been a while. Um, Donatella is old. She's about eight years old. Um, and, uh, we started at this pride after I did this, like, amateur drag competition at my university, and, um, at the end of that pride, there were some queens from, um, 
a bigger city in Colorado, but not by much bigger, um, that were performing at the Pride, and uh, a couple of us that were in Grand Junction got adopted. Uh, Coco did not, and that was some BS. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back on it, yep. And um, that was actually when Coco and I started performing together, because Coco and I started at the same time. Because you felt bad for her because she had nobody and was alone. No, oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Coco and um, her ex watched me at my very first competition. We did. And um, we we started hanging out more after mm-hmm. Pride when we performed together. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I got adopted into the Bijou family, um, Ivana Bijou, from Pueblo, Colorado. Sounds so violent. And um, it's, it's very Southern. It was very Southern. But I want to Bijou, like with a stick? Oh, no. B-I-J-O-U. Oh. So I want to be you. Oh, yeah, I want to be. I have trauma. My mind goes different places. Oh my gosh, I never actually just side note. It could have been taken that way. I want to be. I want to be you. Yeah, could have been. I want to beat you. Yeah, I never actually took it that way. Yeah, that is trauma, girl. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's a little less triggering and and aggressive than that. I need to take a break, you guys. I'll be back. (laughs) uh, Ivana and um, so Stella was the other. We both got adopted by Ivana. Um, mm-hmm. Stella and I did. And, uh, basically, Ivana was the type of person, she was the type of mother that, um, she didn't get my drag. She um, didn't get my drag at all. And so I started off wanting, that way with me wanting to be mm-hmm. very balls-to-the-wall spooky. Like, my, my face was very, very pale. I wore white contacts. I always did, like, like freaky drag without having the skill set to do, like, really good makeup. So that's how I started out, and Ivana hated it. (laughs) And a lot of people hated it, honestly. But at the time, for a mother, what I needed was not someone who, like, didn't get me. I I needed understanding, and I needed acceptance more than any point in my life, like, especially then, because I wasn't really... wasn't something that I really got from, like, family. Um, so that, um, that drag... Um, child and mother relationship ended up ending because um, it just wasn't it wasn't a great like uh, as far as like the chemistry of what we had like visions for with my drag it wasn't yeah. on the same page so that and that and there's no hard feelings for I don't Ivana she, I've seen her after and we've hugged and she's like I still believe you know I still love you and I appreciate you and um, but it just it we were just very different. Well, it's always nice to have those people in your life and follow up with them on social media every now and again. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, because I also feel like um, when it comes to drag family, so like people always tell me that like, well, I love my drag family because it makes me feel less alone. Because um, so for listeners out there, and then I know for the straight community that listens to this, um, drag families also help with the isolation of being queer or yeah. being gay or being lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, like it just. It's one of those things of where you finally feel like you have a place and you can mm-hmm. have these people who can lean right. on. And so that's kind of what a drag family does because yeah. they are, tr- to a degree, their chosen family. Mm-hmm. When somebody adopts you for all the new, like, baby entertainers out there, you don't actually have to say yes. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, I want to adopt you. And the person can be like, uh, no, nah, I'm good. So wait, that was an option? Sure was. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, stuck with me now. That's too late. I hate house yeah. hoppers. Yeesh. Oh my gosh, house hoppers. You guys should just like really evaluate your priorities. Worse than homie hoppers. Yeah. <laughs> but something I think people should know is a little bit of the history of drag families because, again, drag is a parasite of ballroom culture. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, drag families are kind of an emulation of a house where, you know, a lot of, you know, 
um, BIPOC transgendered individuals would literally come together because they were homeless or they were abused or they were abandoned and they would come together and create these literal families. Um, and that's kind of where it originated and then they would perform together. But then when the cis white queers came on board, uh, they appropriated it like they do for everything else. Um, and now we have drag families. So remember the roots where things come from and why people do these things because there are literal families who come from this queer world that we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so um, Donna, let's ask you. So you were in another drag family, yeah, definitely um, a little bit more of an established one who did things. So, like, tell us some stories about that and like the connections and certain things that you gained from that. Yeah. So after um, traveling and doing more gigs um, near Denver, Colorado Springs area, you know, and uh, performing more in the eastern slope of Colorado as opposed to the western slope where we lived and performed for many years, um, I ended up getting involved um, with the Dior's and uh, the Dior's. The mother is uh, Cece Dior. Um, of the House of Dior's, and I also have uh, my aunt Katie Craig, I also have Lady Cat Dior is um, my sister. Um, so those are those are the ones in my family that I, I definitely got closest with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't put the last name Dior on my social media just because I don't like hyphenating my last name since it is a play on words. Yeah. But I probably gained more from that family than um, I often um, give credit for, um, especially from um, the help that I got from my drag mother, Cece, during the pageant. She definitely um, helped me get a full package together and made me realize what it was like to compete in the pageant. And that was my first taste of that. And it was, um, you know, it was it definitely taught me more discipline with my drag. So I give her a lot of credit for that. Um, and the thing that I always loved about CC that differed from my previous drag family was that CC did not care about like me letting my freak flag fly. In fact, she encouraged it. Yeah. She really wanted me to be independent and different, and um, definitely um, like promoted that I that I embrace that in right. myself rather than like try and fit someone else's box. And that was one thing that was really appealing in that family. Um, also with like my, my sister Lady Cat, she was just always really full of love and always like had my back and like talked to me and when I would be in in Denver on the eastern slope of Colorado where I felt kind of like a fish out of water, she was always the first one to be very welcoming and um, I have to give a lot of credit to my drag aunt Katie Craig because she contributed a lot um, of uh, resources and like money into like getting me started as an entertainer, like buying me my first set of like boots that I could like you know, perform in and, and buck in and, you know, have fun in and, um, and just getting me a lot of like a, a good drag starter pack for like when I was like really getting into drag. So I have to give her a lot of credit too. So that family definitely did lift me up for a number of years. And I know that we don't stay super close, but, um, that's definitely like something that I feel benefited me, um, in, at least while I was performing in a smaller area yeah. and a queen that like wasn't in a big city at the time. Yeah, and there's a point that I want to bring up too that you mentioned because you talked about letting your freak flag fly, but you also talked about the discipline that a drag family gave you. Yeah. Um, could you kind of explain a little bit the difference between someone giving you discipline in your craft versus someone trying to like um, tell you what to do in your craft? Because I think yeah, those are different things definitely. that people need to know. Definitely. I think the discipline comes from entering into competitions mm-hmm. and putting yourself into 
a position where you're there to be judged. Right. And the discipline um, is like how you take criticism. Mm -hmm. It's um, how you present a full package, mm -hmm. how you present something that's cohesive, how you um, can put together like a, a performance that reads really well to the audience. And those were all things that, yeah. um, that my family did help me out with. Mm -hmm. um, especially when it came to presenting a cohesive package. That was one thing that really helped me out during the pageant. And one thing, one thing that um, my family just like taught me was really important for competitions. Um, and it's in turn, in turn, like helped me out as a queen coming up with cohesive concepts for looks and all that. Right. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, I guess that's where the discipline really helped mm -hmm. out. And then um, the difference, I guess, for was in my first family is mm -hmm. that it was like telling me um, aesthetic wise yeah. what to do and then also um, like what songs to perform right. and it's like you know how it is yeah. as an entertainer mm -hmm. like if a song doesn't speak to you it's really hard to get into it it really it's, is and it's really hard to like feel and perform a song that you're not emotionally like connected to mm -hmm. so being yeah. like hey perform I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston it's like okay well I'm you know, I like no it, connection to this whatsoever. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's a great yeah. song, but it's it's not one that you know, like as a little gay boy, I like sat next to my like mm -hmm. radio and and cried to. Right. Like I was I was yeah. listening to like nothing compares to you. Yeah. The Sinead O'Connor version. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's actually really eye opening. I well, because the other thing too is like so for me who is an orphan Annie, I I the reason the other reason I couldn't get adopted by somebody is because I didn't see. I need to know that they could help me with the things that I needed help with mm -hmm. to actually go along the same question. Like, I know that I... It wasn't about the bookings because they didn't live in Grand Junction, Colorado. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of just off the table in general. It was about, like, I want to know how to elevate my drag to the next level. Um, like, and if you're not here, you can't help me. And so that's why, like, in my story, like, I think I talked about it on the podcast, like, Gina, when she moved to town, like everything elevated for me after she moved because like it was a black drag queen in my city who had done it all yeah. already and like had the skills to like give me what I needed like honestly when I first met Gina if she wanted to adopt me I probably would have let her yeah like because she just had all those skills I needed um and even though she was such a great friend and she helped me learn all of that stuff early on like that was helpful yeah because of that like because I wanted to grow like having a drag family should be about like helping nurture somebody and like you know being able to give those skills because like human nature is like passing it on to the next generation Definitely. so younger queens or kings who want to like you know go into that i think I've, i ended up too learning a lot from the friends and like the drag colleagues that ended up becoming family around me i mean i think it's like i consider myself like to your drag kids like kind of a, a bit of an aunt mm -hmm. like a drunk aunt at many times mm -hmm. but you know an aunt nonetheless <laughs> um and when they're drunk it's aunt <laughs> aunt yeah because <laughs> yeah, i do um, have um i do have non-drag mother drag siblings so like donatella is considered one of my drag sisters cyanifier mm -hmm. is considered one of my drag sisters Ew, really yeah, so that's a choice. <laughs> I know. So, like, kisses ass, for instance, is like my drag niece, mm -hmm. like in that capacity, because like because after being on a competition show together or growing up in a very oppressed town together, doing this thing, like we didn't have the same drag mother, but you become drag siblings of this person because of like the dynamic. It's not just this 
necessarily the friendship. That's really beautiful that none of you are really petty and you're all on the same page. <laughs> Could you just every time figure every out a way time. to get that in there? Every time. <laughs> <laughs> every time. You all and will never hear the end that, of that. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know what? I've had enough. I'm walking away from oh. this interview. Well, good, because um, you know what? We just unlocked the door to get you out. Um, so you should go back you to your room. What? And maybe um, your legs will get more wobbly over time. Oh. <laughs> did, you, wow. did you ever hear that Jenny McCarthy um, Tara Reid interview where no. they like were y- yelling and bitching at each other like that? No, it was. Get more wobbly. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, yeah, and Tara, maybe your legs will get more wobbly over time. Was <laughs> well, that wow. even a Reid? <laughs> um, Apparently, Tara Reid came in not in the best shape. Which was this Housewives? No, no, was it was this? a, it was Jenny McCarthy's podcast. Oh my God, you're right. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm dumb. I'm really dumb. Yeah, I have made, I have I poured a mixed beverage that I didn't know the contents were into a water bottle that exploded on me and I consumed when I got here. So That's I'm a all, little out of here. All of a thing. So thanks Donna <laughs> for answering all of our questions. Hey. You have really given us the insight on somebody who's been with two different drag families and what that can mean for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a short break here, but I want everybody to follow Donatella My Secrets on all her social media, which is at Donatella D L N A T E L L A underscore My Secrets M Y S E C R E T C S. However you spell secrets. Secrets. <laughs> so um, on this Instagram. is a strip spelling bee, and you just lost, so you need to take off the beanie. <laughs> I'm taking off my socks. She said beanie, and I looked at my socks. <laughs> um, but yeah, follow her on Works. TikTok, follow her on all our social media. Um, appreciate her. Give her some. What's your Venmo? It is Donovan Haney. D O N O V A A N V A N dash H A Y N I E. Yeah. Give her some tips. She's absolutely fabulous. Thank you for being on our podcast. And this is our break. Break. Ba-doop-boo. Hey, everyone. I'm Donatella My Secrets. And I'm Coco Gem Holiday. Do you need a little dose of drag in your life? Whether you're a gigged queen on the go, a baby queen breaking into the scene, or just an all-around drag fanatic, a gem of a secret podcast is the PNW-based podcast to tune into. Every Thursday, you can examine the world through our eyelashes as two good judies discuss topical tea, herstory, and reasonable booking fees. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. For exclusive content and photos, check us out at agemofasecretpodcast.com. That's agemofasecretpodcast.com. Girl, where'd you get a fan from? (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Radio House Theater Presents Cooking Up a Queen with Coco Jim Holiday and Touche Larksbrief. <laughs> so, um, we have one more guest for you, listeners. Um, we wanted to get um, an interview with somebody who's been in a drag family for quite a bit of time. Is she really a guest, though? Because like she's here all the time. Well, actually, she's never been on our podcast. Oh, actually, right. Either is Donna. So oh, I'm just talking about the building. Oh, the building. Yeah, in the facility, she's been here often. She's like a golem. <laughs> so, I want to give a big round of applause, everybody. Please welcome to our podcast... Autumn Rains Heart. Yes. Hi, everybody. This is the only clap she's getting. I'm clapping. Did she, did she have other clap that we're not supposed to... Uh, what's I don't know. Here? Not at the same time. It's a, <laughs> it's a faggot joke. <laughs> so, um, Autumn, uh, so you actually have two drag parents, actually, which is really interesting. So, real briefly, before we go into drag family dynamics, explain to us how you have two drag parents. So I have Honeybee uh, Hart, who is my drag mother, and she was my first drag mother, and uh, she really helped me through the Embers days of, like, growing up and, like, 
learning about how to do better and she really pushed me to be my best self and then she got tired of my attitude and so she left me on Diana Fire's doorstep and Diana <laughs> didn't have a choice because she's somewhat of a good person even though she won't admit it. It's hard to believe. <laughs> I'm just going to preface Diana's this. Diana Fire hates me so I have nothing nice to say. <laughs> Diana ditch Diana. <laughs> it's not even true. I know. It's Diana. Bias, <laughs> fables, and fallacies. <laughs> I love fallacies. That's funny. Oh, um, yeah, so thing. she has two drag parents. So Diana Fire, even though she's a drag queen, is her drag daddy. And then Honeybee Heart is her drag mom. Um, Autumn, how long have you been performing in drag? For nine years. Yeah, she's been performing for quite a bit of time. Um, so we're talking, obviously, about drag families. Yeah. So tell us about... Um, Tell us about what you get out of having a drag family. It's just kind of like a support system. You don't have to, like, see them every day. They're not, like, your best friends, but they're always just there to be, like, bounce ideas off of. Or, like, if you see them in a club, you know you have friends to kiki with, even if you're by yourself. Yeah. That's some tea, actually, because, like, it is cool. Like, whenever, like, so um, for my birthday on June 30th, um, my drag babies came to Darcells to come support me, actually, <laughs> uh, when I was performing. And actually, that's so high. Oh, they, oh yeah. Touche <laughs> and Britt were both high. And I was so stars. I was so mean to Autumn. And Autumn, I'm so sorry I was so mean to you. I haven't said this on a podcast yet. But it's I, okay. I said dumb things, but I still think it was very funny, the timing. Yeah, still stupid. But <laughs> <laughs> No, but it was actually really, but what's really great about that moment is that my drag, so my drag, daughters were supporting me while I was performing on my birthday. They both tipped me, mm-hmm. which was actually really great. And then we went to um, the bar next door, which was um, CC Slaughter's, to, like, go hang out a little bit. And they were hanging out with me for my birthday. Like, that's the kind of stuff that Autumn is talking about. Like, mm-hmm. having that, you know, connection with people uh, that you don't normally see all the time. So you have actually, this is the one thing that Donna didn't really get to go into, but you actually have quite a few dra- drag siblings, right? So... So many. Can you <laughs> name them all? No. Can you try. So, like, <laughs> can you try? <laughs> try to make her feel that way. Um, Do you so not even care? Sue, um, actually, now it's Sue from corporate. Sue from corporate. Oh wow. Previously, Suey Sidal, um, who we have talked about. The queen the, formerly known as the queen formerly known as. Oh, she's prince now. Okay. Because she's also one of your drag siblings. Yes. So is Valerie Deville, who also we had on here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Violet Bleeding Heart. Venus Linhart, uh, Athena Monroe Hart, uh, isn't Jane Doe one of them? Jane Doe Hart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dang. Uh, no, Sable like... Cities. Oh, really? Sable Cities is one of your drag siblings? Wow. wow. Um, oh, yeah, and then technically, because she's also a fire, that means you also have kisses. Well, also, and then now Jackson. Mm-hmm. And Wait, Jackson? Yeah, honey adopted him as well. Really? Yeah, her legs don't close for nobody. It's just damn true. Wow. But who are all of Diana Fire's drag children? Just you and Kisses? Me and Kisses. And I think she has, like, one back in Austin, but I don't know. Because Diana knows what condoms are. Them. Oh, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> it's funny, for the person in their real life who doesn't say no to anyone. <laughs> I love Diana. She doesn't listen to this. It's fine. She doesn't care. So, one thing I wanted to know about this whole dynamic of drag families is, so... Have has your drag parent ever helped you with like bookings or clothes or hair or jewelry or any of that stuff? Not so much like the aesthetics of drag, but definitely bookings with Honey mm-hmm. and Diana. Um, both a lot of the Embers bookings I got were with Honey back in the Embers days. It's cool. 
So, um, also, one thing I did notice, which I point out, because she said it on my Facebook recently, I gave this appreciation post about Autumn Rain's heart, and Honey Bee Heart actually commented, and she said that you're, fav- her, you're her favorite drag child out of those 800 people you just named. I know, right? It's not exciting. Okay. <laughs> it is exciting, because she's been in the business for a minute. Yeah. Well, probably she sees you a lot more often recently, too, because you're on the same cast. Oh. That's fair. She... <laughs> <laughs> actually, this is a good time to say this. So me and Autumn and Touche, uh-huh. um, as well as Honeybee Heart and uh, Sue from Corporate are all on the and same. Diana Fire. And Diana and Fire. And Ash. And Kisses and Ash. there's one more heart in there too, I believe. Jackson. 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 Yeah. Okay, so all the people that we mentioned are on cast at Drama Cam. Rogue, Rogue's there. And, and then Rogue is there <laughs> producing. Um, so Honeybee Heart who, and Diane Fire pretty much it's every single person of their family and then most of mine mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. who perform together. It's, actually, it's just everyone but Donna, basically. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Donna. Don't listen to that. So We love Local Lounge. We do love Give them that good slurp on the microphone. I they did. love that. I did. I'm so sorry, <laughs> listeners. Um, so one of the things is, so our podcast is directed at, you know, new... Uh, new people how did you this is what i want to know how did you say how did honey find you and why did you say yes um so honeybee was always a name that i heard in like throughout the community just like as like a pinnacle of the drag community in portland and so like when i started working at embers i just really wanted to be in her show and then she i lived in vancouver and she lived in longview so then she started giving me rides home and then one night on the way home she was just like so like if you want to be part of my family uh i really like what you do um you don't have to use the name or anything but like feel free to like join my family and i was like i did it oh i did it that's great that's really great that's really cool like which makes me laugh because sometimes people are like let's be shady and call her autumn rains fire and then i'm just like honey doesn't give a fuck (laughs) that was actually really funny when that happened yeah so um so Diana Fire, actually, most of her drag children don't actually carry her last name. So it was, so sometimes people introduce Autumn as Autumn Rains Fire when Honey's around because they think it's funny. And and Honey does not give two shits. Like, she does not care. Well, technically my full name would be, like, Autumn Rains Heart Fire, which yeah. is cute in itself. That Aww. is kind of cute. You should do, like, the heartburn commercials. Oh, I have plenty of that already. I don't because need Because the acid brain <laughs> gives you heart fire. <laughs> So, actually, yeah, that makes sense because Kisses Ash, who's your drag sister, um, actually says she went with Kisses Ash because Kisses Ash fire, because Ash and fire is what she was telling me. But then it, it don't make the pun I thought no it was a butt It joke. doesn't make the pun. So she's like, it's still a fire joke, but I don't put the fire in there because of that reason. But is it really fire because it's got two eyes? It doesn't have Like two, two eyes. dots above the eyes? Yeah, that's just because Facebook says fire is not a real last name. Really? Yeah, so she had to change it. Actually, she just explained that to me recently. Oh. I didn't. Yeah, because it was originally F Y R E, but it's not that. It's F-I-R-E. I just love her work in Colorado. <laughs> there is a Diana <laughs> who's in Colorado that Diana feels pressed about because of the. Honestly, actually, this is a great point for our new listeners because we have a lot of new entertainers. Um, make sure you research your drag names mm-hmm. uh, before you choose them. If your drag mother or drag father don't give you the name, make sure to research it to make sure that nobody else has also, the name. Also, if someone uh, comes into a town that has the same name as you, uh, don't let your friends bully them into trying to change their name. <laughs> that That's was not fun. okay. <laughs> it's was not so okay, fun. and I'm still ashamed. Um, <laughs> I did have not have any part in it either. Listeners, <laughs> let me tell you this tea, because I feel like this is always good for this podcast. And we were so mean and weird. <laughs> so me and Touche, who love autumn 
dearly. There was a new entertainer who came into town with the name Autumn Rain. Yes. Or it w- I think it might have yep. been Rains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's just R A I Y E or something. So know there was an spell. Autumn Rain. And so I messaged them and I just said, because they were new. Here's the thing they were new. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew who they were yet. They had only been doing drag for a second. And I said, You just moved to a town where there's already an incredibly well established queen whose name is Autumn Rains. And I was like, So you should maybe think about that because, like, it is very true in a city where somebody shares the same name as you it's hard to get bookings and they gotta get confused and whatever but if it's the same exact name it becomes really kind of trifling so like really research your drag names even if you really something speaks to you something else will also speak to you make sure it's not trademarked neither because we have a queen in Portland who was Kimchi and then once Kimchi got on Drag Race now she's Kimberly Michelle Westwood (laughs) (laughs) we love once that cease and desist letter came through (laughs) yeah seriously so also keep that in mind um, so what are, so what are the negatives? Because we didn't do this with Donna. What yep. are some of the negatives that you think about being in a drag family that's not really too harsh towards Honey or Just be careful. Else? We'll be sending them a link. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's not really any... We're not like... We're not like a ballroom family where we hang out all the time. Mm-hmm. So we, like... We see each other when we do shows. We don't, like, kiki and hang out outside of drag, really. So it's more just, like... It's more just a support system. So I don't really have any negatives. Mm-hmm. Besides, maybe there's, like, too many. Yeah. And I tell Honey that. (laughs) (laughs) So there is this concept for the new, obviously, Dragon Entertainers listening. Um, There's a concept called empire building when it comes to drag. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily what Honey's doing. I really don't, because she doesn't adopt people every five seconds. There is somebody in town who does. (laughs) (laughs) um, No, here's the thing, though. When it comes to empire building, empire building doesn't give you the opportunity to help, like, nourish and, like, build up the baby entertainers. Yeah, that is something we were going to talk about is the difference between a drag family that's actually going to help cultivate you yes. and a drag family that's just using your talents because they see something in you to kind of ride your coattails and get their own notoriety. Because it's an easy job. It, it, well, yeah. Well, here's that's the... why you have to be, as a mother, you have to be someone who's established enough that that can't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, actually. You don't, Autumn, you don't have any drag babies, I do you? I did have, I, I had sucks. two, but neither of them identify as that anymore. And one of them outwardly uh, uh, abortioned herself uh, from me. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, and I said this to Touche because she's thinking about <coughs> adopting someone. That and changed my mind. Well, because we did. We <laughs> talked about this before we started the episode. Me and Autumn and Donna and Touche were talking about when you should adopt children because we haven't talked about that yet. And we're going to actually, we're going to have Autumn on for the whole last part of this episode. The fact is, I actually personally believe that you shouldn't adopt drag babies within your first two years of doing drag Mm -hmm. because you don't have the business sense, the know-how, and the skills to really give enough to another person. You're still learning yourself. Yes. We're we're always still learning, but you're still building formations. Yeah. And you also don't want to be, like, starting out and making uh, people drag children when you have nothing to offer them. Yeah, exactly. So talk about, actually, Touche, talk about why you wanted to adopt somebody. Oh, Let's I, talk about those reasons. Well, I, because as I brag on a regular basis, I am one of the most successful new queens in Portland. Um, I really have come up really quickly, and a lot of people recognize that. You and Mona yeah. are two of the, because Mona was doing it, because yeah. Mona wasn't 21. <coughs> no, Mona was So you 21. and Mona yeah. are probably 
two of the most successful newcomers. We, re- we really are. And it's not just like, you know, braggadocious, like we, we work the most out of new girls. Truth. You know? That is very true. Um, we have the most, you know, regular bookings, what we did, um, and we have the most invitations to shows. Uh, my thing was, because I had such a fast come up and I've had such a quick evolution, I had people reaching out to me wanting me to be their drag mother. I've had about three people now. And I thought about it for a minute, but the reality is I still have not um, risen to the level that I want to be at before I'd be comfortable imparting knowledge and helping someone else grow in their own career. Um, So I'm not at a place where I can uh, adequately assist somebody to the level because I still need a lot of help. Yeah, and we do have kind of like a house too without Mm -hmm. um, necessarily being... Because, like, so me and Donatella, my secrets, Honor Rain's Heart, Touche Duche, we hang out quite frequently mm-hmm. and we share things, we share items, we share makeup, like, we share hair. Yeah. Um, Touche buys most of the hair that we all steal from her <laughs> that we wear. <laughs> and it's absolutely fantastic and fascinating. But one of the reasons that we were able to do this is because it's a little bit of a collective. Mm-hmm. Like, we all do drag, we all perform in you know, probably 50% of the same shows and like are able to like really help each other and nourish each other and give us to that level. When you're starting out in drag, you might not have that. You might have your friend who also is starting drag, Mm -hmm. but both of you are going to be busted and ugly and awful. And that's fine because we're all busted, ugly and awful when we start. Mm -hmm. I was for like five or six years. Oh, me too. Solid, solid three or four years. Mm -hmm. I should not have been out in public. But it's also because I didn't grow up in New York. As I, I think I've said on this podcast before, I met Britta Filter before she was on Drag Race. I met we Britta get Filter. We famous friends. Sure do. <laughs> um, and in my first year of her, I met Britta in her first year of doing drag, and she looks stunning because she grew up in the New York scene. She's exposed to really talented, high fashion drag. Mm-hmm. And um, my thing with that is, is like just make sure that you stay humble too if you do get adopted, because some people like me personally. Mm-hmm. I wasn't adopted when my friends were. Yeah. Like, and it was kind of hurtful. I have a specific idea that I want for my drag family as a drag mother, which I guess we really haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. As a drag mother, I know what I see and what I want in my drag children. Mm-hmm. Um, I want dedication. I want kindness. And I want... Them to um, white white and skin eyes. and blonde hair. White skin and blonde hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely up there on the list. Uh, so crucifix. Remember, no, no. <laughs> No, it's it's for me. That's actually it's actually kind of true. Crucifix um, don't know this podcast exists. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna send them this one. <laughs> but with this, what I wanted to add is, I know the dedication I'm looking for, and it's somebody who doesn't take shit from anybody. Mm-hmm. So Touche and Britt both are people who may seem like you know people can critique them or whatever, but they take it hard and sometimes they clap back. Mm-hmm. That's what I appreciate because that's who I am. Like I'll listen to you all day long, but. If you push my buttons too far, I will clap back hard. 100%. So does Touche, so does Britt. Mm-hmm. And those those are things that I really admire them, about them, because none of our drag styles are the same. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think all three of us perform Broadway well, but um, our drag aesthetics, none of them are the same. Yep. Uh, Autumn, are any of your drag siblings, are your aesthetics the same? Well, we're all just kind of like, well, the, the good siblings. <laughs> <laughs> You know how, like, people on YouTube are, like, tiering movies, like, DreamWorks movies? We're going to have, like, the A tier and the B tier and the rest of them. <laughs> like, the A tier of us, uh, we all are, like, Disney fanatics. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, yeah, that's true. true. And so we all... It bothers me. <laughs> we're all just kind of, like, different Disney villains in Portland. Uh-huh. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's kind of true. Wow, that is super true. Valerie DeVille had a show recently that I performed in um, that was about Disney... 
Disney and stuff like that, and it was really great. It was really. Is that the one I didn't go to? Yes. Yeah. You um, went to it with when it was just me. When they didn't yeah. go because they're terrible people half of the time. Yeah, go go. We had a booking that day. <laughs> you didn't. You were just at home. You were just like I don't want to go out. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Also, new listeners, take a break every once in a while. It's okay to stay home. <laughs> don't take a break. You want people to remember you. Yeah. That's also kind of true. Or change your username to Tishelak Shabif and start shit. I don't know. I'm kind of like a port girl. Wow. Okay, that was way too elevated for most of this audience. <laughs> We'd be lucky if any of them are just hungover, okay? Gosh. <laughs> I hope I didn't offend any of the kosher listeners. That is okay to be kosher. I just prefer pork. <laughs> oh, they said port, and I'm like, that's a beverage they drank in the 18th century, dear. No one else is going to understand that. I thought that was mead. No, mead was the 17th century. <laughs> uh, what's mead? Mead is a fermented ale, but with additional amoebas. So it's like wine ale? It's like yeah, wine it beer. Has, it's yeah. very sweet. Oh, yeah. it's wine beer. It's wine beer. Oh, you'd like wine beer. Oh, I would. Yeah. <laughs> so Damn it. We, we are going to take our last break. We'll be back with Autumn Rain's Heart um, after this break. And, and our shout out. And our shout out. A break. Faggots. Hey, guys. Listen up. It's Touche Douche here. And I just want to take a moment to really talk to you about something very important. The importance of planning. I have to be honest with you guys, this episode was completely unplanned. In fact, this was supposed to be last week's episode because I'm an idiot. We switched the weeks. And you know what? I take accountability for that. And I apologize. You know what? I appreciate the loyal viewership and the loyal listenership. And I super appreciate all of your patience with Coco and everything that she does wrong. Um... So keep it up, guys. We love you. And we're going to do some re-releases of this podcast eventually because uh, we aren't trying to be insensitive to the George Floyd riots, but it just happened to have a really bad timing. So just remember, plan ahead. And if something comes up, plan around it. Also, wear a condom. Goodbye. All right, everybody, we're back, and we're going to do our call-outs um, for this time because we had two special guests. We're actually, all four of us are going to say who we're inspired by, drag drag artists that we're inspired by, okay. actually. Um, and they can be people who've been on TV, people who haven't, or whatever. So we're going to start with Touche. Yes. So I am incredibly inspired by Ms. Varla Jean Merman. Um, she really, like, embodies everything I want to be in a queen, uh, and she's really pretty. Let's go to Autumn next. <laughs> and Donna. <laughs> no, Autumn, pick a person. I don't know. What about I don't Christ? compare myself to other people, wow. so I don't really get inspired by other people. Oh, so this is the problem. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> so we'll go to Donna next. Um, so a drag artist that I'm inspired by simply because of their talent and something that I aspire to, like be um as far as like my skill set goes in this is victoria elizabeth black because she does have a lot of talent in special effects makeup and um in the type of makeup that i really like to see um queens do in drag so her aesthetics really inspire me um i was really inspired by her journey on the show dragula and um yeah i just really that is one queen that i will always be um very wowed by and mine is actually going to be Jujubee, who actually did really well in Drag Race this season. I've actually been following Jujubee for such a, such a long time. I've never met them. I've always wanted to. Um, I always thought they had this, like, 
Because somebody even said online, like, Jujubee, they think that her drag is a little more basic compared to the other girls. The fact is, you shouldn't have to take out a $10,000 loan to do Drag Race, because most drag artists don't have the ability to do that. I always thought her drag was very well put together with great concepts, and she's so funny. I liked her on season two so much. I thought she was hilarious. She was hilarious on Drag You. She was hilarious on whatever. She was on All Stars 1, right? Sadly. Yeah. Like, she was also great there. Like, she's just a great entertainer. And I've always been inspired by her because I thought that she was so uniquely herself. Uh Um, And now she's sober, too, which I think is great. That brings us to the end of our episode, everybody. Thank God. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, it's been a doozy. We'll see you all next time for our finale. Bye. Adua. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of Cooking Up a Queen. If you would like to be featured or place an ad, please email coco at thecdsdrag.com. Cooking Up a Queen is brought to you by the CD Studio. All topics discussed are opinions of the hosts and are not by any means reflected by the CD Studio or its affiliates. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Cooking Up a Queen is owned exclusively by the CD Studios. This podcast is executive produced by John Williams and Alistair Eliano. Original cover art and soundtrack provided by Alistair Eliano. Dubbed and mixed by John Williams.